This week's show is brought to you by Venice Beach Beverage. Try their delicious line of ginger teas with 100% daily vitamins in every can. And make sure you try my favorite, Black Cherry. Visit them online at venicebeachbeverage.com. The following episode is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Good day, mates. Here we are, you guys. Another episode on this frequency and on location. On location. location. Oh my goodness. Where are we though, Bartley? Can you tell us? We are at Dodger Stadium on the top deck in the front row, um, watching the pitchers take batting practice right now before game three of the National League Division Series. Thank you for that introduction, Bartley, because I don't think I would have been able to say all of those words. That's correct. And side note, Bartley is our baseball expert. He knows all things baseball. I know just a smidgen of baseball. And I think, Natalie, you know not a... I just know how to get to the park and where to find the micheladas here because they're amazing and Dodger Stadium. Um, I'd like to know what makes... And for those of you who hear background noise, DJ Severe is in full effect, inspiring these wonderful baseball players i just want to see mookies where's the mookies but natalie can you tell us why dodger stadium has the best micheladas it's kind of weird i don't know you know i don't know why it's their mix and maybe just the culture of people here they decided you know what these micheladas need to be amazing they have to be right they absolutely have to be right and they're fucking spot on have you have you had any here i actually haven't but i do know that they cost 17 dollars and 50 cents and each dollar is absolutely fucking worth it i'm gonna try one now we're gonna go after this yeah. okay let's do it Yes, but I guess, um, so this is going to be, you know, a very special episode, uh, Dodger, no, not Dodger related necessarily, sports related. Um, Ricky and I were talking and we decided, well, what makes sports great and what brings, what is it about sports that brings people together? How is it that you can fill a stadium? There's what, 50,000, 60,000 seats in here? How is it that so many thousands of people will come to watch a game? What is the power of that? Why is that important? You asking me that question? What you got, Bartley? What you got? Man, that's tough. It's tough to, to really t- to answer that. It's It could be a combination of like just how you grew up and the sports you played as a kid. And, and maybe you were around baseball as a kid like I was. And I just love the game. So any chance I get to come and, and watch a baseball game, I'm going to do it. But... Um, it's the camaraderie between the fans. Like you're when when you come to a stadium and it's all of your fans or or you're rooting for the same team. You're friends with all of those people, regardless of where you come from, your age, your sex, your your orientation, whatever it is. You're all fans of the same team, and you're all friends. And it's just it's just a crazy camaraderie. I have a question. So going back to the what you grew up playing, what sports did you play growing up? And the same question for you, Natalie, when he's done. So I played baseball pretty much all as a kid. I started playing organized baseball at nine years old, um, all the way up through 
all four years of high school and um, a little bit after high school played in like adult leagues for recreational fun. Um, I played basketball my senior year of high school and I coached basketball for six years. Actually, I still coach basketball, but uh, I coach I coach basketball for six years at my alma mater high school, um, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I've been I've been around sports all my life. I've been a sports junkie since I was like three. Okay, just so naturally, naturally, yeah. there sorry, there was a podcast that had to did, come. Did you just say a sports junkie since three years old? I would I would watch and understand baseball games and how everything operated since I was about three or four years old. And this is probably why he can process that whole 150 minutes. Oh my god! Like it's nothing. <laughs> um, but for me, uh, the sports that I was into was playing Power Rangers around the swing set at my friend's <laughs> house. So that was the sports that I was into um, growing up. And then in high school, I played tennis. So I got a little bit of that. Yeah, I love tennis. It's great. I wish I could do it a little bit more now, but, well. If tennis wasn't during baseball season, I would have played tennis in high school as well. Tennis is pretty dope. I mean, I've played racquetball. Um, I grew up playing uh, baseball also. I actually wanted to play softball. I think it was like Golden Girls or some crap like that that it's called. And I don't know why, and I'm going to ask my dad. He just wouldn't let me play softball. He's like, if you're going to play baseball sport sport. you're gonna play baseball and he was already coaching my brother's team because my brother started playing very early on so I played hardball with the boys and I was a pitcher and I was I played shortstop and it was a really exciting game for me like I loved it so that's pretty dope do you so how what how did that play out for you um being in sports with what I was that like um oh yes Give us a second, folks. We have to move along. Okay, so we had to take a quick little break to get up out of the stadium seats. And we realized that we are extremely out of shape because we just went a small flight of stairs and we were uh, out of breath. But we're back. So we were talking about... Um, oh, our experiences in sports, where we've been. Uh, Ricky was talking about... What were you saying? I played baseball with the boys. I played right. baseball with oh, the boys. Oh, yeah. So, how was that for you? Um, I mean, I guess it, I, I just wanted to play Golden Girls softball because it was just like all my girlfriends were doing that. That's where I wanted to play. So, at first, I was a little bitter about it. But that's also where I met my first female mentor without knowing that she was going to be my first female mentor. Her name was Pat. She was a single mother of, um, I think she had three sons, three or two, Essence and Elijah Walker, just two. And um, Elijah, I th- Walker. Elijah Walker, yeah. Oh shit, I, I know Elijah. Okay. I played basketball with him in high school. Okay, there you go. Small so, did world. you ever meet his mom? I uh, vaguely remember, but I'm not sure. So his, so she helped my dad coach the team. Okay. And her son was on the team that we were on. Yeah. And I was enamored by her because she, like, she's a woman. Yeah. Like, she's out there going, ah, like, yelling, screaming, like, what kind of, in your face. Like, yeah. didn't give a shit that you were a little girl on the team. Like, she was just treating you like everybody else. We're about to win this game. Right. Matter of fact, I think about a year ago, I actually wrote her a letter because I found Essence and Elijah on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I wrote her a letter expressing to her how much her influence on me as like a 12 year old 13 year old young kid right. was it was yeah. pretty cool it was dope so anything you want to add 
I mean, I just remember Elijah as a great basketball player, but other than that, no. Wait, so did you end up writing the letter? I did, and I sent it to her, and she got it. Oh, okay, perfect. So, I should, I should. what was I'm that? I'll find it. It was thanking her. It was thanking her and, and telling her, thank you for being the first female role model that isn't my family, that I was like, dang, you know? And, it, and I was only reflecting that because I was complaining about the majority of role models that I had in my life were male, and I'm like, do I not have any female role models? And I had to really think about who did I listen to or grow up, who left an impression on me as a female growing up, and it was Pat Walker was the first one. Were you the only girl on the team? Yes, ma'am. Only one. I had a girl on my team when I was growing up. A couple of girls. They were they were better than some of the boys, man. Hell yeah. That kicks some ass. Hell fucking yes. But yeah, I was the only one. It was, you know, it was all right. That's awesome. No, I'm really glad that your dad put you in and challenged you in that way. Let me put you in this group of boys and give you a little bit of tough skin. Do you think that? Oh, it, 100% it was let me give you some tough skin. In addition to that, like, not only were you, you were the coach's daughter, that meant you had to help get there early before everybody else got there, set up everything else before everybody got there, clean up after, like, you had all those additional unsaid responsibilities. So you're not just a part of the team. You're, But now that I'm thinking about it, in retrospect, I think that it did give me some good, like, a good foundation to understand what it takes to run a team like oh shit like this is what it is you know yeah because now we're here at Dodgers and you know (laughs) and I think we were talking a little bit earlier in the car about what it takes to coordinate and manage and get people to be where they're at and make other people on the outside understand the people on the inside and think about 20 different scenarios that could possibly happen and prepare everyone for those scenarios or just mainly yourself right Definitely. And we were we were we were discussing that in the car here, how to make make this entire very new experience for all of us a smooth, flawless one. So I have to think about the players that I put in front of everything to make sure that it goes smoothly. So whatever lessons that we learned from our initial experiences here, and when I say initial experiences here, is doing all the music for the fans coming in through center field, uh, the center field pavilion. So like with Bartley I know that he knows how to navigate through parking and security and he already knows what questions they're going to ask so he's prepared so that you're not wasting any time with these new people with these new individuals who have an experience to just get in there and get the job done and when you prepare like that the people around you notice that the staff notices that they're like all right cool they're on it they're not asking questions they're not trying to figure shit out they already know and it becomes like i said an easier experience when they call you back and say hey can you come and do this so you're a basketball coach is what you are you're you're navigating all the different scenarios that a, a coach in any sport actually would would have to navigate in order to accomplish the goal which in a in a game is to win but here it's to execute a flawless game plan to where they'll call us back which is i you're right and it's crazy that you're saying it like that and i think about the countless conversations that severe and i have had where he's like i already imagined what it was going to be like but then he added this enormous seasoning of but you have to be prepared for this 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 and i'm like wait what no like and he goes yes and his insight has been also incredibly helpful and such a big tool in making all of these plays and making everything happen like that definitely you know it's interesting have having this conversation i'm thinking about all of the people in leadership roles 
And if those people in leadership roles now or any time in their lives have had have had had been in sports as a kid or in a team player type of environment growing up. I think if they haven't, it shows. Mm. It absolutely shows. If they haven't been in a team environment or in a, in a team setting where you're, you're striving for a goal, right. whether you're a, a key person in the cog of the machine or you're a bench player or you're a scorekeeper or whatever, you're part of the team. If they haven't been part of the team, they don't know all the roles associated with the team, yeah. they're going to struggle to be a leader. And so you can tell right away the people who have been leaders in the past or who have been part of a team – and they're the best leaders. They're yeah. absolutely the best leaders. And uh, I think that experience goes a long way. You, you're always constantly thinking four steps ahead mm-hmm. while somebody who's never been in that role may only think one step ahead. And that's why you're, you're better at what you do than the, the person that you replace. And then, I, and then I further wonder, like, what if this person wanted to be in a leadership role and they like would the only option be play a sport so that you can understand what it is to be a leader. That's an interesting that I, I kinda like that. So it's like the prerequisite to joining the Rose City Sound team is you must have played a sport. And if you did not play a sport, you better go sign up for one as an adult. Or maybe I wonder maybe could there be another option? Would like I imagine people in chorus, like in, in music. And they have to be a part of a team also, right? Maybe they have those leadership skills as well. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where else. The, the chess? But chess isn't really a individual not, sport, individual. isn't it? I don't even know how to play that game. That's great. I'm like checkers. It will no, che- no, no, but chess, but you chess, have to think ten steps ahead too, three, right? The, the, the normal is three. Like you got to say, okay, if I move here, then the, he's going to move here, and then I can move here, and then I move here. And it's then, a good strategy game. A very good strategy game. And don't you also have to think about what your opponent is going to do? Right. I mean, it, yeah. That's okay. part of coaching. Like when I coach basketball, like you got to put your your team in the best possible situation, and you also got to think, okay, if I if I call this defense, what are they going to do? How are they going to react? If I press. If I, if I uh, institute a press defense, how are they going to react? Are they going to fold under the pressure? If they fold under the pressure, then it's an advantage for us. But when they make that adjustment and they stop folding in, under pressure, then I got to change. And I got to say, okay, you know, I'm going to go to this now. You always got to be able to change. And that's part of, of being, yeah, pivot. You got to be, in, in a, whenever you're in a leadership role of any kind, you got to be able to go with the flow. But you also got to be two or three steps ahead of everybody else thinking, okay, if this happens, then I go here. Or if this happens, we, we can do this. Because things are always going to go wrong. Always. There's, you can't get around it. Everything that you do, there's always something that's going to go wrong. We can plan and plan and plan and plan and execute, execute, execute. But something may falter. Like, what if the speaker blows? Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, something, something out of our, pretty much out of our control. Right. What do we do? Well, we we would we were already thinking three steps ahead. Or, yeah. you know, I, I told the DJs when we came here, like, hey, bring extra cables. Right. It's better to have it and not ever need it than need it and not have it. So we're always thinking ahead in, in all that we do in uh, the leadership team at Rose City Sound. Yeah, be prepared for the worst-case scenario, for sure. And I do want to say, I, I want to record this moment right now just because we were sitting in front of the of the field but they had to clear the seats because they're going to start to let the fans in but in our conversation with the with the security guard 
and he was asking us, you know, what we do, who are we, etc., etc. He said, so what, are you guys going to get a contract with the Dodgers? Yeah. And I was like, yes, sir, yes. I want to I wanna document that the goal is definitely to secure a contract with the Dodgers so that they always call us to do their post, their pre- and post-game shows. Like that, every homestand, that would be amazing. And I do believe in manifestation, and I do believe that, hey, everything aligns. And even if it doesn't happen, that's okay, because this has been an amazing experience. But I do believe in all of the conversations that I've, that I've had here with the staff that we've had internally as a team, like we're always saying that, this is the goal, this is what we gotta do, this is how we have to perform. And even if they don't call us back, we've established enough of a relationship with the Dodgers where we can put them on our professional quote unquote resume <gasps> and say, oh, you wanna, you wanna know about our work? Call the Los Angeles Dodgers, right. you know, and, and have, have them talk about how we do business. And I think that speaks volumes as well. Even if we don't end up getting the contract, which I think we will, but even if we don't, if worst case scenario, we don't get it for whatever reason, we can put this on our professional quote-unquote resume and moving forward, it'll get us in the door for other things. And I do I do want to know also, like we've experienced so much growth in the last year because this time last year, we were doing interviews and broadcasting for like Fox News from the studio like we were literally i was calling bartley how the hell do i do this zoom call with fox news i don't know how to do this come over and so he's coming over and we're in the stadium now like what the fuck is going on and then just a big indicator for me that was like that's crazy i didn't even i didn't even think it's a year this ago. time last year it's a year ago when they were in, well it was more towards the world series but yeah. they were in the playoffs yeah. and we were doing like post game with, yeah. I, so, so check this out. So Natalie, so right now as it stands, we have uh, DJ Megatone. He's performing um, reserve section of Dodger Stadium. And then we have DJ uh, Babito the Chef. He's in top deck. He's performing there. But while we were, Natalie and I were setting up the stage for Megatone, Phil Schumann walks up. Oh, he's right here. He is right there. And he's like, hey, what is it? He goes, is, you know, you guys are doing the music. Oh, you have the tattoo. Rose City. What is Rose City Sound? So we explained to him that it's, you know, our company was severe. And he's like, oh, severe. He's the one who did the interview with him last year where right. we have the drop. The burr, 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 burr. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. like, you're that dude, bro. <laughs> so we gave him all the rundown. But that was a year ago. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, it's been the growth has been tremendous. And there's no doubt that I I. I 100% believe we'll be here at a, at a different capacity, at a much greater capacity next year, which grow with the people around you. Um, Natalie, who's doing Primavera Color Limon, who's been doing these open air markets with, you know, selling your plants and selling your, your Palo Santos and your bundles and whatnot. Yeah. You literally posted, I think it was yesterday or the day before that you wanted to buy these crates to oh, yeah. put plants on. Yeah, so um, so I got completely inspired, and I was like, you know what? What if I bought crates, and and I was totally thinking home decor, right? Hey, I'm going to buy these crates, and I'm going to practice to see how I'm going to be able to set this up with plants and, and be able to not only set them up at home, but also set them up at outdoor events or for special events for you, for me, for, the, for whatever company, right? And so then I'm talking to Ricky like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go buy some crates with Rachel, Bartley's wife, which I'm really excited because I'm then her the eyes right now because she <laughs> in, quote unquote inspired my wife. And I get home yesterday and there's crates 
everywhere. <laughs> You're welcome. And then Rachel and I were in agreement that I'm going to go over to your guys' place and we're going to completely revamp and you're going to have a whole new interior <laughs> design at your place. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. That's with me. I told Rachel that she's in charge of like, how she wants to decorate the house. I don't care. I just live there. I love it. And so Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I, I was preparing for the shows that we had to do Monday and Tuesday at Dodgers. We were here last on Wednesday for the wild card game. And I decided, because, you know, I was like, how can we ramp up the stage a little bit and bring actual, the studio, Rose City Sound, to the stadium? So I brought some plants and I brought some, I brought Gizmo, I brought Baby Yoda. But I really wanted to make it bigger. So I was like plotting in my head, what the fuck am I going to do? You show up and I see your story about the crates. You're like, I'm going to buy crates. And I'm like, wait a minute, crates. We could take crates to the stadium with records. And it worked out perfect because we had a conversation. And in less than 24 hours, you single-handedly managed to get us plants and crates and completely design the sets for all three platforms that Rose City Sound will be performing at today. How the fuck do you feel about that, homegirl? I feel fucking great! Everything came out super beautiful. I'm so excited to show everyone on the Instagrams, on Primavera Color Limon, on Rose City Sound. Um, I, You know what I want to figure out now is, how the fuck can I get these wood crates and <laughs> fold them up into little tiny boxes yeah. to then disassemble and bring them here because they are big and they are bulky, but it's such a good experience to kind of see a bare table and then add to it. You know what I mean? And so... Um, I wanted to add. You said a little bit. Some uh, you said a little bit about um, growth and where we were at last year to now. You know, before the pandemic, I had maybe two plants at home, and now I have about a million. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but that's the goal. And so, <laughs> I do. I do want to add that when we brought the plants for the wild card game, as I was packing the plants into the car I told them please bring me your energy please bring me this this win please bring me just your oxygen just oh just everything good right I know Bartley's shaking his head like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing talking to plants but let me tell you when we arrived what did Kristen say to us Christian was the one Chris, is it Kristen or Christian I can't remember her name what was her name Kristen Kristen, Kristen. Okay, Kristen. She's she's with the Blue Crew. And she was like, you guys brought the plants last time. We need that win. That's what happened. The energy brought the plants, and that's how we yes. got the win. I was like, thank you. Yes. Thank you. They do. You see, if you're nice to them, they'll be nice to you, meaning the plants. And then everyone around them just kind of gravitates towards it. So it's a good thing bringing, you know, life plants. Um, so if I have to suggest anything to people is buy plants. Treat them with love and care. They, they love you if you love them. Um, but, yeah, I think that the lesson learned here um, sitting at Dodgers Stadium is the amount of growth um, that Rose City Sound has endured. And, and, um, and also the lesson is keep pushing. Keep it pushing and keep trying different things. Experiment. Um, don't be afraid to try something new or um, or stop doing what you're doing because someone said no or I can't. Yes, you can. You just have to figure out the way that that's going to work out. Could and you agree? Yes, I could. And to go back to how you said, like, Rose City Sound has 
endured and survived and and little baby thriving here right now natalie and i both are not in our normal corporate jobs anymore like we walked away from all of that in order to pursue what it is that brought us joy that shit's scary you don't have the wonderful accommodations that you and securities that you had in life before it's scary but knowing that you are surrounded by a group of people that are on the same frequency you like that drop right there that are on the same frequency and that have the same goals and aspirations and have the same work ethic same work ethic and then the same like understanding that hey i'm gonna bring you with me like we're gonna do this together and and all of our network of people let's let's grow together there that's like the ultimate safety blanket you know the positivity and the belief the belief that yes you can yes we will let's hold hands and we're gonna figure it out and kind of pick each other up when we're down and and vice versa um i kind of lost my train of thought but i wanted to get what was i gonna say right now well you said our our ups and downs like there's a lot of downs i'm not gonna lie like there's there's a lot of days where where and usually the days that i'm the lowest are the days that I should actually be resting, yeah. right? So yeah. you, we give a lot of energy and we put a lot of effort the days that we have to work and get out there and do our, do our thing, right? Yeah, that's true. And then the days that we should be resting, me personally, like, I'm panicking. I'm like, oh, my God, why am I not doing, any, doing anything? Yeah. Like, I need to be following up on leads, figuring out what is our next move. Like, in my mind, I can't shut my mind off like that, right? Slowly slowly i am trying to practice peace and i am starting to practice you know taking a minute because it's like ricky the growth is in front of you it's gonna be okay and it's and it's actively happening it's not gonna disappear just because you decided that you wanted to take a nap in between for 20 minutes man it feels like that though um and talking about us leaving our corporate jobs um i've um, this has been this week that just passed has been my first official week off completely. Which I love because that means she's accessible for anything, anytime. It's no bedtime. I love this version of Natalie and I'm not using it enough, FYI. Yeah, I'm up at 11.30 at night. I don't even know who I am anymore, yes. but it's great. And so, and that's what I was going to say is that, you know, you mentioned that this has been kind of scary leaving a corporate job to pursue something that we believe in and the belief in ourselves. Um, but more for me personally, more than, more than being scared, I feel so free. I don't even, I don't even care. Just nothing can, I feel like nothing, not that nothing can go wrong, but nothing bad is going to happen everything is going to be okay and i i keep saying that everything is going to be okay everything is going to work out the way that it needs to and i think that if we allow ourselves that peace we can accomplish a lot more for ourselves you know so the next question is sorry i'm speaking all over but bartley uh when are you leaving your corporate job (laughs) i don't know (laughs) hopefully soon do you do you look at us well, actually, I think you did say it on record one time when I was talking about when I left and you were like, you're insane. I would never do that. But but you were also you acknowledged the courage that it takes to do that. Are uh, you think, are you itching to a, do that? I think I used a different word. I think I said cojones. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have a lot of cojones. Yeah. yeah. Um, am I itching to leave? I would. Yeah. I, I mean, corporate life sucks. 
You're gonna be a CEO. Like, if you're gonna work for a CEO, why not work for yourself? Right. You know, why not be your own CEO or at least like be in a group of people like at Rose City where we're tight, where it's not, it's not like there's no cliques or there's no, yeah. you know, it's everyone. It's said, everyone. Said. On, right. Everyone's on the same team with the same goal. And uh, I mean, eventually, hopefully, this next year. Um, I can quit my corporate job and be self-sufficient. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. And I and I think for everyone that is struggling with that piece of it, get yourself prepared for that. If that's what you want in your life, if what you want is to leave your nine to five, because I do think that there there are some people that are are meant for the nine to five and they're comfortable in that and it works for them and they thrive there. So if that is Exactly, exactly. But if you are in a position where your your soul is dying because you're at your nine to five, start preparing, start planning, look at your finances. Hey, am I able to support myself for how many months or how many um a year or two to be able to do the thing that you want to do? Do I have the support? You know, look at your support system, look at what your actual goals are and see, okay, I can obtain this. But first I got to do X, Y, and Z and, and keep that goal alive. And I think it'll happen. So I think part of the, I think the hardest thing is to actually take that step, right? Like, Mm. you know, believe in yourself enough to step out on your own and be like, okay, I hate my corporate job or I don't. I'm not I don't love my corporate job, but I love this and I would love to do this. It's all about having the courage and having the the cojones to to take that step. And a lot of like it's it's the scariest step you could take. Yeah. Right? It is because and I'm not going to lie, like I'm shitting myself right now because you said I'll oh, be your own CEO. Okay, well when you're own you're your own CEO, you need to know how to do fucking accounting and tax laws and HR shit and how to build a team and how to network and how to build relationships and contracts. What the fuck? This I have to do it all? I'm going to give you some peace by telling you that yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of those things that maybe you should know about, but there's a lot of people that you're going to know to help you do all of those things because I think that just because you're a CEO doesn't mean that you have to be an expert accountant. You don't have to be an expert in everything. You just got to know an expert in the one thing to help you. To work smarter, not harder. You don't know jack shit about sound. So you you have somebody on your squad that knows sound. Me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I can cover that base for you. You don't have to worry about it. So the next step is to find somebody who's good at accounting and bring them on the team. Right. So where you don't have to do that. That's what good CEOs do. They delegate. Here's the other thing, too, though, because a lot of this is on donated time, like literally on donated time as you're building a team and you're saying, like, I do not have the budget to pay you like I would like to pay you because I'm a growing business. I'm starting. And hey, I have to actually make these shirts to try to get in out of pocket to get it in with these this company that I'm trying to get him to build a relationship, all these expenses. Right. But I do believe. Okay, so so what I would tell the younger version of myself yeah. is accept people that want to help you without getting paid. Accept right. that. Right. Because, A, I've done it myself. I've literally worked for people for free because I believed in what they're doing. I love what they're doing. 
And I learned a lot from, from that experience, right? So I've done it before myself. But I've also been that person who's gotten taken advantage of. So I became very paranoid and I constantly wanted to like pay. Oh, here, 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 here. At an incredible deficit to myself. At an incredible deficit to myself. I'm worrying about, and it was Bartley too. He, he had a very, <laughs> we had a very strong-willed conversation one day because, you know, between Severe and I, like, we got to pay Bartley. We got to take care of him. Take care, take care, take care. And he, Bartley said to me, I'm not doing this for the money. When he told me that, I understood that he believed in the bigger picture of what we were trying to build and that he trusted me enough that when we got to that level, that he would be taken care of. That's what I... Did I interpret that correctly, Bartley? You interpreted that 100% correctly. And what I'm lacking... Like, what I don't get in money or, 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 you know, finances, I get in happiness. Mm. I get paid in happiness because hey, it's good karma. It's well, I don't, it doesn't. It's not even about the karma. It's I get paid in happiness because I get to do what I love to do, and I get to do it all the time. And it takes me places like Dodger freaking Stadium for a playoff game against his favorite team in the my world. Team. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to afford to come to this game, but I'm, I'm here for free. And actually, I do want to go back to a story that it happened during the wild card game. We had, and I'll let you tell the story, but it was the the ball that Antique got, you gave it to a kid. We got in the car and Bartley was like, this was the best game I've ever been to in my life. Tell the story. So I was sitting, so before the game, we were up in left field, or yeah, left field reserve level, uh, me, Antique, and Flips. And Antique gave me a ball because they were down in center field and they they had snuck up to the seats during batting practice and got a few home run balls. And he gave me one, and I held on to that thing for all day. Like I was just playing with it. I was you know uh, just moving it around in my fingers and just remembering how baseball felt and just being nostalgic about it. And I was I went up and I started watching the game. I was in um, right field pavilion uh, in the right field bleachers, and um, I noticed. That, you know, in between innings, this kid who was sitting maybe two or three rows uh, behind me and to my right, uh, this kid would go down there with his grandpa trying to get a, a, a ball from one of the fielders, right? And he just kept going down there, kept going down there, kept going down there. And I just felt it in my soul, like, I, I need to, I, this kid needs a ball, Aww. right? So I think it was the seventh or eighth inning. Um, they went down there again, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So as he was coming back up, I'm like, hey, man, that's a cool glove. Can I see it? And he shows me his glove, and I plop the ball in there, and his yeah. face, oh, his he lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, his His grandpa was lit up like a Christmas tree. He's like, man, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh. And it reminded me that it's not about, it's not like, it's about creating that memory for other people. Yeah. That's why we're here. Like, it's not about me. I've been to plenty of baseball games, and I've, you know, I've gotten home run balls or foul balls or whatever, and I have one at home um, signed by a player. Like, I don't need that. I don't need to take this ball home. It's going to create no sentimental value for me. But I made that kid's night. And not only that, like, the, the ending of the game was epic. This kid is not going to forget this game for as long as he lives because of that moment getting a ball and what happened in the game like he'll never forget that game though as long as he lives and that that is worth more than any check um any 
any dollar amount that you could have, you know, written me a check for, it's it's worth more than that. That that is why I love doing what I do because it's not about even the job. It's about just loving on people yeah. and creating that atmosphere for people. And I did that on Wednesday night, and I felt so good. It, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers won, but. It is what it is. You made someone's day. Yes, he did. And for the record, Bartley gets on my damn nerves all the time. But that story is why we fuck with Bartley. That story right there. Because his core as a human being is innately good. And I think that story brings this episode just full circle about why sports are important why we get together with sports it's not about this it's not about that it's not where we're sitting it's the memories it's the people that we're around it's the the lives that potentially are changed I mean, this, this kid didn't even root for the team that i root for right like we, we weren't here for a game where my team was involved but the camaraderie that we shared was just being baseball fans to our core and I think that's why I was just like I gotta I gotta give this kid the ball and so I mean that's that's what it was about let's go have those micheladas that you guys are talking so much talk about hell yeah I am fucking ready so I think that this that was that was perfect this was beautiful um so I guess if there's anything you guys can take away from this is if you have a kid put him in some type of leadership sport or sport period put them in a sport just in general because the adversity that you may face even if you're not the best player on the team like i i played in sports all my life i was never the best player on my team but the adversity you learn by being in a different role than being the star player helps you prepare for life in general like you're not always going to be the number one employee or you're not always going to be the number one person at what you do how do you it uh, how do you react? How do you pivot from that? Right. I think sports in general teaches you that. And so put your kids in sports, whether they're, you know, very talented at what they at the sport that you sign them up for or not, because they're going to learn valuable life lessons in just the team atmosphere or the role that they're in, that they play on the team. Period. And, and shout out to all the coaches out there that are making like that are leaving an impression on young kids. Shout out to them because. These, these coaches go to work, they got kids, they got family, they got all these stresses, and they do it for free 99. So, shout out to them, dude. Yeah. Keep holding it down. Not free 99. I got paid pretty handsomely when I was a coach at Chafee. Well, at Yes, but like Little League? You yeah, ain't getting paid there? Little League is a volunteer. Right, right. The little, 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 little ones, little, yeah. Little. The one where I was influenced, she got paid free 99. Yeah. I mean, I was influenced by my little league coaches too, but I was also inclu- uh, influenced by the coaches who didn't work for free 99. Right, right, right. right. Amen to that. Amen to that. So shout out to all the coaches, whether you get free 99 yes. or you yes. get paid very handsomely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to go have some micheladas, micheladas. to celebrate that. Thank you guys for Go listening. <laughs> Let's go, Dodgers. Let's go, Giants. Let's go, Micheladas. <laughs> All right, y'all. Increase the peace. Today's episode was brought to you by Chingon Bakery and Venice Beach Beverage. If you have any topic ideas you want us to cover, don't forget to email those to onthisfrequency at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced by Juicebox Bartley and Big Brother Jake. We drop a new episode every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you follow us on the grams at On This Frequency. How can you support us, you ask? Well, 
go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash on this frequency and you can donate some coffee funds there. And for those Apple listeners, leave us a review. They're incredibly helpful and we'll be sharing them in our upcoming episodes. So from Natalie and I, remember to be kind to one another, kick some ass, and remember to celebrate every day because every day is your birthday. Meow, 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 meow. Fucking fuck, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>